Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. We tackle the issues facing our sector through the ideas and stories of industry founders, leaders, and tech enthusiasts. Perhaps it's fate that today is the 4th of July and that you will once again be fighting for our freedom. Jeez. <laughs> Not from tyranny, oppression, or persecution, but from annihilate. Come on, Jack. Go on. You know what it is. Go on. You know what it is. I don't. Bill Pullman, Independence Day. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Bill Pullman's great. Um, I don't know that quite off the top of my head. Oh, it's, it's the Independence Day speech. Well, look. It's not the... just an American holiday, but for all mankind. You know, we shall not go quietly. Yeah, yeah. I'm, anyway. I'm, I'm, what I love about it being the 4th of July is us, us also probably wanting to talk about the America-England football match last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not last night. It'll be two days ago. I'll beg pardon, yeah. And... But yeah, it is, it is Independence Day. And on today's Tech Talks, I know mm. we're being a bit silly here, uh, we do have an American guest. We do. The EMEA, the EMEA CEO uh, of Yext, Wendy. Bloody, bloody Americans coming over here taking our jobs, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Given it's an American company, I think it's bloody no, Americans coming over here creating more it. jobs. Not having it. You can take your tea drinking celebration and... Oh, God, that annoyed me. Right, so that really, really wound me up, and rightly so, because they're doing it in response to people like Piers Morgan, who are total assholes, or as they call it, assholes. And I think, I think Morgan was right to celebrate in the face of adversity, but what she doesn't realise is a. We all fucking hate Piers Morgan. Oh, B. An f bomb very early sorry, on. Sorry, sorry, and B. None of us drink tea like that. No, it's very true. I don't... It's, it was the little finger. It was the pinky finger. I, I just felt attacked, personally. Yeah, but, but she's obviously done that, so you know what's going on. Yeah, I mean, she's fantastic. I mean, an incredible... I mean, the US team are an incredible team. About they are. It. They are. I actually felt, though, that the margins were very fine. Yep. Uh, and how... English was it that we, long you know, ball last 10 minutes no, we're just no, no, pumping no, the ball no, upfield no just like the men we've got a penalty we can rescue oh. ourselves and instead of either going you know Lucy Bronze who hits them like uh, grounds to air missiles yeah. or Ellen White who's your bang informed striker let's be brave and send up our centre-back like oh. Steph Horton is an amazing player and she's the captain but she's a bloody centre-back but like, did she step up because uh, others weren't did she do the captain thing did some Ellen White say oh, maybe not we don't know I mean it was a poor I, penalty I just felt it was so English and after yeah, but it was very brave can yeah, I that's just, why we always lose semi-finals can I just <laughs> can I just take swipes at, I can't remember her name but the US pundit have some decorum Hope Solo yeah have some She's just like, oh, we Americans don't play in Europe. I mean, we've tried it, but our way is so much better. Oh, yeah, it is better. But just come on, just be a bit more balanced. Like, oh, look at Alex Scott as the. I mean, she's a hero of mine. But well, look, you know what? They um, won at the end of the day. Fair, fair play. Whatever. We've, we've got seventeen percent of our audience is American. Yes. So. Good luck on Sunday. How many, what the percentage of our listeners are Dutch? Because I am fully cheering on Danielle van der Donk and Marianne Metendema. Great pronunciation. Excuse the pronunciation, but they're Arsenal ladies and they're also playing for the Netherlands who will offer the most hope to beat America. About 3% of our audience is in Amsterdam. Hello, Amsterdam. Amsterdam. <laughs> but hey, you know, it might be Sweden. We don't know yet. It might, well, Sweden are very much dark horses at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but look, good luck to America. Good luck to either mm. Netherlands or Sweden. It's been a fantastic, inclusive, wonderful yep. tournament. Yep. I've loved following England. Let's get into today's podcast, eh? With an American woman. So today we're talking to Wendy. Wendy, you're, you're the new, let me get this right, but you're the new European or EMEA CEO for Yes. Yes, the European C- CEO, yes. And you started a couple of months ago, but you've literally just arrived in the UK. Yes, four days ago. I am official. I have uh, my visa, so yes. <laughs> have, whilst I assume that you, you have travelled to the UK on multiple occasions. Many times, yes. Have you worked in the UK or lived in the UK no, before? No, I mean, I've done business because I was also, I still am the Chief Customer Officer of Yax. So one of my passions is customers, and I've had that role globally. So I've been here many times with our customers here and in France and Germany. But um, physically living here, this is my first time living abroad. Fine. Well, first of all, let's let's dive into your background then, because yes. you have worked at, amongst other places, Oracle, Gartner, Yahoo, where you were uh, head of research, uh, head of search, search. rather. Yes. Um, and you graduated from Georgia Tech. Yes. So you've got a vast amount of experience in the industry. Uh, well, I don't know, vast, but yes. Oh no, um, I say that in a yes. <laughs> very complimentary way. But I've been yes, and I uh, I, I um, you know started out at very classic tech. Um, I went to work for a software company when I was 18 years old and this was when tech was not cool and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world and then ultimately from working with customers there I realized that I needed to get technical so I actually went to work for Pricewaterhouse. I actually worked out of the London Bridge office for uh, about a month helping on a big pitch. Right. I did. It was when I think I first knew that I could live here because I loved it and uh, I learned how to code there. I was a terrible developer. Um, it was not great. Um, they put me on the APIs, which was the easiest thing you could do, which is actually very useful now because we live in an API world. Um, and then ultimately about 14 years ago, after I left Oracle, where I ran a huge part of the consulting, I had been in the internet and I thought, I want to get back into an incredible exciting, really high growth. And um, the way I thought to myself was um, online advertising, but I thought it would get software-atized. And what it really became was ad, ad tech. And so I went to work for one of the revolutionary ad tech companies called Right Media. That's mm-hmm. how I ended up at Yahoo and now here at Yak. So I've been in the online space, but always bringing that technology core. I, at my core, I do believe, think of myself as a technologist. So it must be incredibly exciting now to work for an organization that is seeing this paradigm shift, as you're describing it, in yes. search and yes. saying that search, you know, the future of search is answers. Yes. Especially given your background and your career at Yahoo. Completely, yeah. Well, and that's, I saw this eight years ago. And look, people thought I was a little crazy because it was a small company, well capitalized. And the chairman, who is still the chairman, Mike Walrath, this is how the world works, contacts, who you know, had been my boss at Right Media. Mm-hmm. And he said, go and meet Howard Lerman and Brian Distelberger. And here I am eight years later. They're two of the most amazing human beings there. Uh, they've been together as business partners for uh, over a decade. And I was starting to see some of these trends in search. But if you think about eight years ago, there was no Apple Maps. There was no Uber. <laughs> there was no Facebook search. Uh, there was no Amazon Alexa. So we've already seen this evolution, and we, we had a hypothesis that, and I was seeing this with the rise of mobile, that consumers were going to be looking and searching in different ways. But what has happened now is that this, I think this is the next paradigm shift. So we've been laying this foundation, and we've seen it for a couple of years, but it really comes down to every consumer journey starts with a question. And I'll give a couple of examples. Um, I had a personal one on Sunday night. Um, I've literally been in London 24 hours. My husband and I had walked past a restaurant that we thought looked cute. We don't know where to eat here. 
And we went on uh, and I actually went to their website and I said, is this restaurant open? It's a question. Unfortunately for them, they had the wrong answer because they said yes and I went to the restaurant and it wasn't open. That is the problem that we saw. But that is why I think this problem is so easy for people to understand that mm. question because we are all asking questions every day. Is there an ATM near me? Because I don't want to pay fees for my bank, right? This is a very common query. I have a medical emergency. Where is the nearest clinic near me? I need to shop for a present. Where is a great gift store? I have to shop for a children's birthday party. Where is a toy store open near me, right, that maybe is open late? I mean, the yeah. list of queries goes on and on and on. And all of those, what a consumer is doing is they're saying, give me, if your brand has the answer, you are going to win. You're going to win the transaction. So this is interesting because you, you talk about uh, tackling misinformation online. Yes. Uh, and you're wearing a t-shirt that says brand verified uh, answers. answers. Yes. And, and brand verified is something that came up in Howard's talk. What, what do you actually mean by, yes. by brand, this brand verified? This means it's not sourced from the web and who knows how that wrong information um, and by the way, even if you try to manage it, it's very hard. I've worked, mm. we have 1,200 enterprise customers globally. I've probably interacted or worked with, I don't know, two-thirds of them. That's mm. minimum, maybe more. Um, this is not an easy problem to solve. So this was a small business chain. They were trying to control it. It was on their website. But even the, the, we see over eight to ten data elements about a location or a person or a data. Any entity can change in a month. So even if you try to, so Brand Verified Working says, I have ensured that the answers are correct. I've worked with a company who helps me because many brands do need help. This is incredibly hard. That, that small 15 location chain, they were trying to have the answer because I went to their website, but somehow their hours of operation were wrong. And so brand verified in this, in this time of trust or mistrust, this is a trust to a consumer. You are putting your reputation and, and minimizing that risk to your reputation by controlling your brand. And on that point, one of, one of the things that I found interesting in that talk, and I can't remember whether it was, whether it was Howard or Mark, talked about reviews yes. and how important it was to get back to reviews and to answer reviews. Yes. Uh, and that, to me, spoke of transparency and trust. That is. And again, the, you know, many people make the mistake. The clients ask us, well, do you have a canned response generator? And we say, absolutely not. Because that actually could hurt you because mm. you're not authentic. People can tell. You've seen it, right? The management says, thank you for your feedback. They know. And so we don't do. We know we do some, we have some tools to make it more quick. Uh, we use um, uh, natural NLP to yeah. help kind of pre-program, but we want you to make sure that you're authentic. Here's what's interesting, and we have an incredible customer insights team that I helped build. I hired the, the, the guy, we call him Dr. Z Zahid. It's amazing <laughs> because I think that we also have incredible insights. Howard talked about that. There's some incredible feedback loops, but one of those insights is um, we wanted to see, we had a hypothesis, and we've seen this. If you responded, how could it impact your um, ranking? And we, um, it, so it impacts your ranking by increasing your star rating. Right. We've seen a half of a star rating, which is actually a lot, um, by responding, which then your star rating impacts your indexing. So there's a brand experience, a customer experience component, but there's a business reason because everyone's trying to win in the ranking world. And by responding, you're showing, and consumers go back and change their scores. Mm -hmm. Other consumers see, and it's an amazing, powerful effect. Now, getting back to you as an individual, yes. you mentioned that uh, you went into technology because you thought it was cool at 18. Yes. Over here in the UK, 
the participation rates of women and to be perfectly fair all, all ethnic uh, and yep. minority groups kind of participation within tech is poor mm-hmm. why is it that more people don't see it as a cool career to go into from some of those backgrounds it's one of my passions and I told you this so here's here, here is definitely one of my hypotheses and I'm the perfect example I think we have this image those people who've seen the movie The Social Network we yep. have this image of you have to be this genius prodigy to go into technology and it has to be incredibly easy for you I was a disastrous coder it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life probably the hardest but I have that foundation and it changes the way that you think and so we have to help people to understand that you can go into technology and you could work in customer support or support or consulting or product or QA. There are so many things you don't, but I do think part of this is the myth of the prodigy programmer. Yeah, and interesting, I've, I've heard conversation recently, especially where data science is, is concerned, where people say, oh, we need a PhD, which I can kind of understand. Stand, but it also no. hurts. And that, I'm also that passionate about example. people going in. If you don't think you can do, to, I, I say to every young person that I mentor, and I mentor a lot, if you're not interested in learning programming as a basic, then go into data science. Just take an analytics class. Take right. two. Everything is going to be analytics in the future. This is the, the nature. Yes, we sit on millions of data points. And how do we make sense of that for our customers? How do we make our customers smarter? We can actually feed into strategy of how businesses are run. We've had customers use our data today, and we think with the new product answers, it's going to be even more powerful. We had a client who was seeing, uh, compared to a benchmark, significantly less queries in given locations for their branches and significantly higher in others. And they realized they needed to reshift their locations. Mm-hmm. They needed more and those high volume and less of the businesses. And that's just in a smart business. So that's just a great example of how data. So I think that we have to move this myth. Look, companies also have to make um, engineering floors, engineering teams, you know, more friendly to diversity. Because the other part of the myth is that, and you do see dropout rates for this um, individuals of all kinds of diverse who go into it because there is a little bit of the video game, you know, kind of nerdy. And so we have to, to make the environments, environments that more diverse type of people. So I think it's the people, but it is on companies of all sizes where you, whether you have five developers or you have 300 like we have or Google, I don't even know how many they have. And I know that Google works on this. That's, that, that is an interesting point because... Yes, has been cited as one of the best workplaces for women by fortune. So touching on what you're kind of exploring there, what do you think it is that you have specifically done that has enabled you to to, to build that kind of an environment? Yeah, well, I think think there's, number one, it's just the overall culture of the company. We didn't have to tailor it to make it great for women. We are a total uh, meritocracy. Best idea wins. We um, we create open culture, so I think that's where then, um, if you are in these very hierarchical or different types of cultures, it's hard for people. They're afraid to speak up. Mm. I think we try to make sure that every voice is heard, and those are things that are very important for diverse people and women. Women, um, it is in these very uh, machismo cultures. It's very and it's hard for people that are shy. But that's not a good culture for someone who's an introvert because they're not used to putting their ideas out there. So I think it's, it starts with our culture. We have a very open culture. Um, we have wicked smart people. We, um, we have some extraordinary set of young women who are VPs. Um, Lexi Bohannon runs our sales engineering. Liz Fraley is a director of product management. Liz Walton is our marketing. These are young women. And I think for other women to see... This was in many, a couple of cases. Liz is one Liz Fraley. It's her first job out of school. She's now running a big chunk of our product management team. 
not that long. So I think they see it's a meritocracy. And then look, we have made conscious efforts. We have employee resource groups. We have one for um, people with disability, people of color, um, women, LGBTQ. And so I think all of those things send a message to your workforce that um, we want diverse diversity of all kinds. And I think that's really important for women. Do you think that people potentially fall down slightly because they articulate the message in the wrong way? They, they want people to feel that they belong, but it can sometimes almost be exclusive. My, my, my yes, wife, no, I think this is a fine line. My wife wanted to take part in Pride last year because her, her brother, so my brother-in-law is, is gay, but her company said, oh no, it's just for the LGBT community and didn't allow her to take part. Mm. Now that might have been the case that they were they were running out of slots for people to take part, but if it was, it wasn't articulated in that way. And I yes. just wonder if companies don't think about the messaging. Well, I think that's right. I mean, by the way, we would encourage all of our employees who want to participate in Pride in a few weeks. That would be amazing. But look, this is the, this is the challenge. And I, I've been on a charity for a very long time that works with underserved girls in the U.S. And this is this topic of inclusion and diversity is a whole separate more multiple podcasts so I, I acknowledge it and you know I was very proud someone actually I was at a conference last week and someone came up to me and said do you think it would be inappropriate if I told the speaker that I don't think it's appropriate how they're talking about President Trump and I said I think you absolutely should we can't assume that we understand that because you work at a tech company in New York City that we all share the same views the same values the same perspectives and I'm not saying yes says this this was at a conference here in Europe but they said, would that be rude? And I said, absolutely not. I think you have to be very careful that we have to make it. So it's not diversity now. I don't know if you know this. They've added the inclusion yep. because you have to make it a bigger umbrella. We yes. can't have people feeling. So another topic, uh, you know, I'm not saying we're perfect at it, but we try to find that balance. Uh, but it is a very fair point because we can't start to then have people be excluded. Look, thank you very much for your time. Dragging you away from a conference that's no, ongoing I'm right so now. I'm so excited to I, be here. Yeah. I hope that you... Um, Enjoy the UK. Thank you. I know I will. I love Got a chance country. to explore it, right? Yes, so. very much. It's a beautiful country and amazing people. And I love um, the British uh, sense of humour. So. <laughs> well, good. I, look, thanks for your time and enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. So, the future of search is answers. Kind of makes sense, right? Who'd have thought? Well, no, but it, it's, it's blindingly obvious when you say it that simply. Yeah, I mean... I think uh, one of the things Wendy hits on early on as well is that you know answers we, we need these answers you know she's she's getting misinformation online which is affecting yeah. her evenings is and, this restaurant open yeah and you think like basic operational information like that would always be correct but apparently it's not well this is the thing so so myself and producer Ryder mm. went to uh, the next conference that was held uh, at the science museum about a month ago mm. And I've got to be perfectly honest, up until that event, I'd never heard of Yext. No. Um, but their CEO and founder got up and gave the introductory talk. And all of, it, of a sudden, you, you know when you realise that there are these huge organisations out there that you've just never heard of? Mm. All of that information that Google is pulling from various different brands has to be verified, yeah. has to be correct. Yeah. And why do you trust? Like, I do inherently trust when I type into yeah. Google and I get an answer that it's probably going to be fairly factual if it's, yeah. is this open? Or, you know, where is the office and address? Something like that. You, you, you imagine that it would be correct, but actually it stands to reason that there's an organisation like Yext mm. behind it all giving you brand verified answers. I mean, it's it's something that we've, we've not known we've needed until we've got something wrong ourselves, right? Yeah. I mean, I just wish that 
maps as well. Like I've gone to a job interview before and maps has taken me the wrong way around an industrial state to get there, meaning I was 15 minutes late. Now you just trust that information inherently. Now I think Google Maps and Google in general needs to be Oh, verified at a higher level, maybe, but then you know this is the good work that Yext are doing. Yeah. So look, I it it plays into more of the human psyche rather than typing out some long phrase or needing to know how to work your way around the internet. Just being able to ask a question, mm. um, not knowing kind of boolean or something to get the answers that you want. If, if we refer it back to kind of a working context, yeah. just asking a question. Like, yeah. there is some information that I want to know, and the future of the internet is, here it is, and it plays into voice. Yeah. You, can see, you can see very much how that, how that uh, evolves into the next phase of, of user uh, interface. Yeah, I mean, voice is the future. And, you know, throughout this, Wendy is constantly talking about looking forward and looking to the future. And I think, you know, there's a massive market at Yext are ready to corner already. I love that the Wimbledon music has just started in the background. Can our listeners hear that? We're, we're recording outside next to a Wimbledon screen. Oh, it's beautiful, that, oh, isn't it? British sometimes. Anyway, uh, America, America. Um, I, <laughs> love, I love as well that Wendy talked about the fact that she was a disastrous coder. I love that honesty. How many I love what it, yeah. what it says as well. Look, this is, this is a lady who is the EMEA CEO mm. of an absolutely huge organisation. Mm. Mm. I was a disastrous coder. Yep. Brilliant. Because that gives so much, I think that gives real inspiration to people to say, if you've got the right mindset and the right attributes Mm. and you're willing to learn, Mm. you can achieve a huge amount. Well, that's why she goes on to talk about data scientists, which is one of the most highly paid jobs in tech these days. And you don't really need to know much about code. It's analytics, as Wendy says. And I think we've heard so many times data is the new oil we've even heard data is the new sun so you know analytics is huge and if that's the path into tech that you want to take a it's an easier route and b you can earn just as much money yeah yeah absolutely but i I think it's really refreshing to hear that you don't have to be the phd character because it's not something i've subscribed to but i have heard that put forward recently so i love that she refused it and just slapped it down straight away yeah i mean how how many times do we hear the story of the company was founded in a garage, you know, yeah, with yeah. two techies getting together. And she also says it in a very funny way, jovial way about, you don't have to be a geek either, you know, and that is part of me has always feared getting into tech because I'm very extroverted. I'm loud, in your face, brash, annoying, stupid. I didn't think I would fit into tech yet. You know, here we are, two and a half years of running tech talks. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> which, which is all of those aforementioned traits probably helped me with. I also, I also like that she says that it's on companies as well. Yes. You know, th- th- there does have to be more uh, responsibility yep. and ownership taken by organisations to change yep. the way the industry is perceived. So it's not video game and nerdy. And there's nothing wrong with no, that, that no, no, culture. No, no, no. It's just, it's been, it's been quite exclusive yep. because you kind of go, oh, well, if I'm not, if I'm not that kind of... <laughs> Nerds have taken over. Like, nerds are cool now. It's the zeitgeist. Like, I almost feel like you have to be part of a club that a yeah. lot of people... It's an exclusive club yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if you it... haven't got a Marvel t-shirt, then maybe you can't <laughs> You can't be a leader in tech. Mate, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It all stems from Minecraft. People started playing Minecraft when they were younger. They're going to be nerds before they even know they're nerds. It's just such a fantastic game that gets people in the right avenues for tech. I think I mean Yext. I mean, what were they top of Forbes 500 for diversity or something like crazy? Uh, like that? So, so they uh, were named by Fortune, Fortune as one of the best workplaces for women. And yeah, she says that. I, I she cites the examples of young mm-hmm. 
intelligent women running big jobs that, yep. that, that are at the for- forefront of their business and you know true meritocracy meritocracy it's the best idea that wins yep. um, but also appreciating that your environment has to be built to allow people who are introverts to get their ideas across in a yep. way that feels comfortable for them and I imagine they they channel everyone's opinions very fairly and openly there rather than you know if you've got someone who's not going to stand up in front of a room full of people and say this is my idea this is why it rocks you know they've probably got a mechanism to, to get those ideas to the forefront and yeah. I think we, we do need to start taking more risks in positions of power you know in politics in life in at work give these roles to, to high risers you know people with high potential not just, you know, Gary, 58, 16 stone, because he's been there for 10 years. Salient point to end on as well. Go on. You don't like Trump. I don't like Trump. Well, uh, I don't like Bojo. I don't like Jeremy Hunt. No, nope, no. Nope. But you can't assume that we all share the same views. Just because you're in New York, just because you're somewhere liberal, yeah. you can't assume that you can talk derogatory about somebody else. Um, the industry does have to be a broad church. Society is better when it's more compassionate. And I just felt that that last point was was a really good one and and a mature one from I mean, Wendy. And we could possibly take that to heart a little bit more than we sometimes do, but it, it was a good one. I just want to make a point talking about compassion and Donald Trump. If this is, I'm not saying that he is compassionate. No, 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 no. But but, but if this you know, is as a... the Obamas say, when they go low, we go high. Yeah, there you go. But look, <laughs> this is a compassionate tweet from Mr. Trump. It was great being with Chairman Kim Jong-un of North Korea this weekend. We had a great meeting. He looked very—he uh, looked really well and very healthy. If Donald Trump can be compassionate about Kim Jong-un, we've all got it in us, guys. Come on. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Anyway, <laughs> it's Independence Day. Yeehaw. Happy Independence Day to all of our American listeners. We're celebrating with you. Yeah. Um, Wendy, thank you very much for coming on the show. Stick with us. After this short interlude, we'll be back with some technology news. And the envelope. It's nearly the summer holidays, but school isn't quite out. Because General Assembly, a pioneer in education and career transformation, specialising in today's most in-demand skills, have an offer for you. So GA offer a wide range of programmes in web development, data science, user experience design, digital marketing, product management, and lots more. And for you, for our listeners, they've got an offer of 25% off their classes and workshops by applying the code TECHTALKS25 at the checkout. There are some terms and conditions. They asked me to ramp them. Frankly, that's not going to happen. But I can tell you that the code is valid until August the 31st. And it's not applicable to GA's full-time, part-time or online circuit courses. Once the code's applied, workshop tickets are non-transferable. The discount code cannot be retroactively applied to workshop tickets already purchased or used in conjunction with other discount codes. One thing, as a former technology recruiter, I can tell you that there's a real shortage of some of these skills in the market. So, with all this beautiful weather that we're having, I reckon there are far worse uses of your time than getting down there and doing a bit of continuous learning. Welcome back to Tech Talks. Before we dive into the envelope, um, I've got one piece of technology news to share, Jack. Share away. So this is from Digital Trends. Okay, uh, it was posted today. Oh. Uh, as of the time of recording. No, sorry, yesterday, the 2nd of July. It's the 3rd today, isn't it? Yes. And it's the 4th of the, when this is going out. Yes. Just to confuse everybody. Yes. Here we go. Digital Trends, anyway. Uh, this is by Trevor Mogg. Uber Eats dine-in option targets folks who want to eat at the restaurant. Now, I'm laughing already. I'm laughing already. 
Uber Eats is testing a new feature called Dine In that lets you order a meal via the app and then eat it at the restaurant. Ideal for time-pressed folks or those who simply can't stand around waiting in a restaurant. Um, or can't stand waiting in a restaurant, rather. It should mean that your dinner lands in front of you within minutes of taking your seat. Discuss. Okay, so the idea is fine, I guess. But is it? I like... If I'm going to... You know, I, I'll probably order Uber Eats more than I'm inclined to go out for dinner. If I'm going out for dinner, I want the atmosphere, I want the ambiance, I want the environment, I want the clanging of plates. I don't want to rock up, dine and dash after ten minutes. I'm going for a meal out. Yeah. Because I want to talk to yeah. someone. And maybe have a drink before? The or? food the food is the reason. But, sorry, the food is the glue, but it's not the reason, actually. The food is the What thing are you that, making with glue and reason? No, like, <laughs> the reason to go and eat out with friends yes. is to see friends. Yes. And the food is the thing that, that happens it's around. Byproduct, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. you say, if, if, if you were like, you know what, Dave, let's go out for dinner tonight, let's have a catch-up, and then I turned up and you were like, well, to be honest, mate, I've ordered already, so <laughs> yeah. I'm going to just crack on. My food's like, on its way. Um, yeah, sorry, Dave. I'm all for technology providing convenience, uh, fixing problems that are faced by society, this is not one of them. This is superfluous. Uber tech. Eats and Deliveroo, brilliant. Yep. Dine in, just go to the bloody restaurant. Yeah, or use book a table or whatever. Chill out, folks. Life's yeah. hectic. Sometimes you just need to slow down. Take a beat. Have a starter. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> right. Shall we uh, get into the envelope? We are on, and I am about what, to... What has Ryder given us today? Today's envelope. Oh, it's nicely packaged. It's not ripping. Nicely packaged. Well, usually I have to rip into it. So we have... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Drone. Dread. Do you want to start or shall I start? Uh, I don't mind starting. Go on then. Okay, so I think drones are going to be part of modern life very, very quickly. Uh, but if I hark back to a previous podcast, um, what about the insurance? What about thinking about who... How, how, how you've kind of figure you're delivering a small package is it next to a school playing field is it near an airport is it flying over a residential area all of those aspects about how we regulate and how we ensure drone flights um, is still up for grabs and I think that's why you've got an organisation like Flock who we had on the podcast about a year ago um, still need to still need to work those bits and pieces out um, apart from apart from that I mean look if it gets cars off the road, mm-hmm. and especially if you think about the amount of traffic that gums up the roads of a city like London, trying to deliver packages and what what not to various different uh, office blocks, well, drones are a great way to to reduce that stress on on the infrastructure. So they're a good thing, but obviously we need to work out insurance, regulation, etc. that go around it, rather than just pushing ahead because we have the technology. I'm going to be a bit more specific rather than droning on. Oh, thanks, mate. <laughs> um, we talked a while ago on the show. Um, that I they... gave a specific example <laughs> with Flock. Droning on. Um, we had a, an example on where they trialled uh, drone delivery in Canberra, I believe, in Australia. And yes. The main reason that residents didn't like it was because the noise. So, like, people's dogs were barking at the sky, people's cats were doing backflips, babies were waking up. So I think for drones... <laughs> To have the first step in the right direction and you know regulations coming and stuff like that 
just try and reduce the sound that they make because it's going to sound like a mini helicopter's landing oh, yeah. on your lawn. And look, the one time. thing I will say, we've often kind of talked about when you're on a holiday and how Instagram gets in the way. Yep. I'll be really honest, when you're sitting on, on a quiet beach and it's all like tranquil and peaceful and then all you hear is <laughs> overhead for like half an hour while someone's trying to get their like shot for their dreamy holiday sequence. It's like, oh, do one. Yeah, come on. It's not, it's, it's not worth it. But Unplug. Unplug. Oh, <laughs> says the guy that uploads 50,000 Instagram photos every time he goes on holiday. Not of my ass. Or, or with a drone. Anyway, we are droning on now. Yes. <laughs> um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we've hope you, we hope you've enjoyed this Independence Day special. Uh, Bill Pullman, big love. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>